Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. This week we'll be speaking with two brothers who not only have very similar jobs as each other, but have also hosted their own radio programs, sing together, and have also appeared in the Celebrity Spotlight several times. We'll speak with John and Larry Gassman about all of that. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from John Gassman. I guess if I had to give a tip, it would be never give up. Do what your heart tells you to do. And if you have a dream, go for it. And you stole that from Disney. No, I probably, yeah, well, maybe, but they'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. And that's sort of the point of this show after all. I mean, that's why we do Eyes on Success in our retirement years, because it's our way of giving back and, you know, sort of sharing these stories of success and what people can do despite whatever visual issues they might have. Mm Mm-hmm. And we hope that listeners who might have been told that they are incapable of doing something just because they can't see will be hearing these stories and say, well, if that person can do it, so can I. And oh, by the way, the other person gave me some ideas about how it might be possible. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by... Envision AI, an iOS app that processes text and images and converts them to useful audio output to help visually impaired people. It can read things like restaurant menus in multiple languages and recognize personal belongings such as wallets or keys. More information and trial available at letsenvision.com. And if your organization is interested in supporting Eyes on Success with a promotional item about your services or resources, just send us a note to find out more, host at eyesonsuccess.net, or look on our website for more information. It's quite a day for a daydream. It's custom made for a daydreaming Our regular listeners will know that was not our normal breaker tune. Pete mentioned that John and Larry sing. Well, that was the two of them with two friends in their barbershop quartet singing part of What a Day for a Daydream, originally made popular by the Love and Spoonful in the 1960s. So let's meet Larry and John and hear about what kinds of things they are into in addition to singing. So this week, we're pleased to have two brothers who are actually visually impaired and live together. And maybe you guys can introduce yourselves. Hi, John. I'm Larry. Hi, Larry. I'm John. I'm three minutes younger than you are. I know you are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you guys are twins. Yes, we are. Oh, cool. Yep. We are brothers as well. We've only had three people that I remember ever walk up to us and said, oh, you're twins. And there was a brief lag in the conversation, and they said, are you brothers? <laughs> Absolutely true. And the, re- the most ha- recent one was at CSUN. Yeah. Oh, man, go figure. Yeah, yeah. So do you guys have any vision at all? Light and shadows. 
A little bit. Not not much for getting around, but at least I can see when the sun is out and I can see most times when lights are on or off. But other than that, really, I don't have anything else that really works effectively. Uh-huh. So I assume since you were twins that you maybe both suffered from... It was retinopathy prematurity. Yeah. So we were two and a half months premature. He was one pound, eight ounces. I was one pound, 10 ounces. And we were 13 inches long. Wow. wow. You guys are lucky you lived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we knew we were asked to do this podcast at some point. So we decided let's live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that made it worthwhile. <laughs> it yes, did. it did. It did. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 This week's focus topic is John and Larry's careers at Disney and Marriott, respectively, and how each of them ended up being accessibility testers and advisors for their employers. Plus, we'll hear about some of their outside activities. So now you guys are living in California, and you both have kind of similar jobs. Can you talk about what you guys do? Uh, this is Larry. I worked for Marriott, have since 2000, and I was an agent for the first couple of years. And then the guy who did all the scripting and all the testing for JAWS in order for it to work with the reservation system left. And he knew that I was interested in getting involved in that line of work. So uh, I trained and midway through the training, which was a week or so, I learned quickly and so did Marriott that there was no way that they could ask me to both script and test. It just it was too big of a of an immense process. So they got somebody who worked for Marriott as a, a scriptwriter. He took care of all the scripting for Jaws and I do all the testing. And uh, we still work together some 18 years later. Oh, that has to be a lot of fun. Does Marriott have a lot of blind people working for them that they needed scripts for multiple employees? Yeah, they had about 20 when I started, and I think they were up to 35 JAWS users and another 14 or so Magic users all across the country at various uh, centers, and I work from home. And so now we have probably, I would guess, maybe 15 to 16 to 17 people who work from home. And just for people who don't know, JAWS is a screen reader that enables visually impaired people to have speech feedback from the computer. And Magix is a program that allows the screen to be blown up with large print so people who have some vision can read the screen a little bit easier. Right. You're saying, in essence, that if I call up Marriott to make a reservation or to get some other kind of customer service, it's not unlikely that I'll get a visually impaired employee at the other end of the line. No, not at all. They're all on the phones. And so I do all the testing to make sure that they can work with JAWS and through our reservation application, which changes often. I'm more support now. I'm not on the phones as much, if at all. But uh, there's so much stuff to test, and it's gotten busier and busier because of the web-based angle and JAWS changes, the app changes, what they want to do with the app changes, which sometimes breaks things that we've done with JAWS, so we have to go back and fix it. And uh, it's a great case for job security, I'll guarantee you that. Yeah, nothing (laughs) stays constant these days. Never, never, never. So, John, you do a very similar thing for Disney, right? I do. Matter of fact, when Disney was interested in hiring a blind person, they went to a lot of different uh, companies, including Marriott. I was on the team. I said, no, don't hire him. 
Uh, actually, yeah, they they talked to Marriott about how they handled it and what they did to make it work and what accommodations might be needed. And they finally decided, okay, let's let's give it a try to hire the very first totally blind person ever at the Disney company. Well, for sure out here. I worked for the first six years taking phone calls, basically booking the three Disney hotels and tickets to the park and character dining. And then in 2008, we moved to a web-based system. And uh, that meant that we could book other hotels in the Southern California area and airfare and ground transportation and car rental and everything. And then around January of 2009, I was approached by one of our trainers and she asked me if I'd like to learn the system and help her train the other blind people who we had at the resort at the time. And we did. In addition to the reservations, I test all of the programs that work with JAWS, kind of like what Larry does, so that whenever something goes out onto the floor, it's been tested. And then I also train a lot of the brand new hires uh, that, that come in to use uh, JAWS. I don't have anything to do with the magic or Zoom text end of it, but I do uh, all the JAWS people. So it's a great job. It's a lot of fun. And uh, after 15 years of uh, employment, they kind of think I know what I'm doing. So that makes it nice. <laughs> I'm curious. What you guys are doing and what many other people do in call centers, etc., all of the input that you're getting from the computer is audio, and you're also listening to the customer at the other end of the telephone via audio. What kind of headsets do you use so that you can get the computer input and the telephone input and not have the customer know that you're getting audio input from the computer? They do make Plantronic headsets uh, with jaws in one ear, plug leading to the computer, and then the caller in the other ear. So you're actually you're you're using jaws, you're talking, you're typing, and you're listening to the caller. So there's about four or five things that happen. That's definitely an acquired skill. Yeah, I was going to say that takes a little juggling. It's hard to yeah. listen to two audio streams coming in, you know, separate ears like that and make sense of it all. Well, it's interesting because when I started training people for Marriott, many of them had pretty good skills, maybe not great. Some of them had very good skills. But the ones who had pretty good skills wanted to listen to Jaws at a relatively slow rate. And I said, you can't do that. There's no way you can listen to Jaws at the rate you're listening to and also pay attention and understand what the caller wants. You have to listen to Jaws as quickly as you can, get whatever it has to say said so that you can pay attention to what the caller wants. And we made them gradually speed up JAWS because that's the only way it really works so that you're actually being attentive to the, to the actual and, and one And one of the key things when you train somebody is they have to get used to what JAWS is saying and what those controls sound like so that you don't even have to really listen 100% carefully. You kind of know uh, what to expect and therefore you can type and talk to the caller and look up information at the same time because you're so familiar with JAWS and what it's saying based upon the reservation screen that you know very well that you don't have to pay 100% attention. Yeah, so part so, of it is knowing the interface and what's likely to come up in the next field that you navigate to. Right. It right. all has to be second nature. I used to advance it a little bit every week, get used to it, and then move it a little faster because uh, I, I wanted to be able to read it as quickly as I could and still understand it, and that's what I've done. I, I kind of stopped 
doing that, but I could increase it some more if I want. You actually to. read a little faster than I do. Oh, do I? Okay, just a, just a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do the I do the same thing with voiceover on, the, on voice the iPhone. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah. So does Pete. Well, you know, it's interesting. I have this conversation with sighted people a lot. They'll listen to my computer and say, "How do you possibly understand that?" Right. And I'll say, "Well, you know." People who are sighted learn to speed read, and you do that by developing the skills gradually and going faster and faster, and it's the same with speech. You don't start using speech by listening to it very quickly. You start out by listening to it slowly, increasing the speed, as you said, a little bit faster, a little bit faster, a little bit faster, until you get to a point where you think it's comfortable to listen to and useful for the job you're doing. Very true. They mentioned the Plantronics headsets that they use, and we will have a link to that in the show notes. So you guys are roommates these days, I take it. You're living with each other? We are now. Uh, When my wife was ill and she said, you know, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, and we understood that. She said, you guys have so many passions and love so many things. She said, when I'm gone, I want you to have him move in. Oh. And so uh, she passed in 2012 and he moved in in 2013. Wow. And we did, uh, you know, all the old old time radio stuff that we've done for 30, 40 years. We used to do it when we got back into the hobby on Skype from where I lived and where he lived. And now we're 20 feet away from each other. So, yeah, we've done radio stuff forever. Uh, we sing. We're both barbershoppers. And so we have a lot of things that go on and we did constantly. And so we we also have our separate lives. We're both individuals and have friends at work and friends in other places. So, but it's worked out very well for us and it may work out, you know, that way for a long time or God decides, okay, Larry, I think I want you to get married again. Then John understands that there'll be decisions. made. I'm out on the curb. He's out (laughs) on the curb. He's a hopeless person. (laughs) So you mentioned being involved in radio. Tell us a little bit about what you do in radio. We started in 1978 subbing for people. Oh yeah. Okay. And we began a show on KPCC in Pasadena starting in 1980 that lasted 20 years. We inter- And we were here in, in, in the L.A. area. So we had access to tons of radio people. Uh, and we talked to them and interviewed them about their careers. We played the shows, etc. And uh, then I got married and we put stuff in storage. In 2010, we brought it back. And it's now on the Internet, has been for eight or nine years. But now we do it digitally, right? from home, home and just upload it, which is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. We have a we have a, a show that we do with another gentleman by the name of Walden Hughes on Yesterday USA, and it's done weekends, and we do it digitally from here uh, using Skype. But it's so wonderful to be able to sit down like we're doing here with you. We're home, and we can talk about stuff. We can play stuff through the computers. And because uh, in those days long ago and far away, we would have to go to the station, which was a 45-minute drive. Or or we'd record it on a 10-inch reel and have to and mail it in 10 yeah. days ahead of time. Right. Wow. Now we don't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what is the content like? What is each episode like? It basically is the recordings, which we've collected over the years, of shows from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Uh, much of it from the original discs, which we've had access to. Uh, and it's it's comedy, drama, variety, uh I mean everything. It's it's it and music, lots of music, and we we have a good time talking about it, and uh, people seem to enjoy listening to it. And what's the name of your show? The show that we do that's recorded and sent up to about eleven or twelve websites is same time, same station. You can Google that and find it anywhere. There's a lot of different places to find it, 
And then we do the show on Yesterday USA, which is kind of a four or five hour talk show and we play shows and all kinds of stuff. It's pretty free form. And that's a that's an internet uh, site dedicated to old time radio 24 it's hours a day. Yesterdayusa.com and it's heard at 10:30 Eastern, 7:30 Pacific, Friday, Saturday and Sunday evenings. Wow, how cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it is fun. Lots of fun. So I'm thinking it must have been challenging, you know, for your parents to raise two blind children at one time. You must have had some very supportive and uh, good parents. You know, we did. And the cool thing was when they realized that we were not only going to be blind, but actually probably twins came first. Twins, but also blind. And very hyper. They said, oh, my, what do we do? Because they had no experience. We were the first two children. And so what they did is they found out about places like the Foundation for the Junior Blind, like the Braille Institute. And they went to them and said, what do we do? How do we do it? And what the, they took all that information and what they learned was that we were going to be treated like anyone else. Thank God they did that. They didn't have to because a lot of parents don't do that. But they said if they bump into stuff, if they run into stuff, if they fall, that's what growing up is like for a child. And I'm sure that they weren't quite sure the first time they saw us diving off of a high dive or crossing a street, Mm -hmm. but they let us do it. We used to play football on the street. We used to ride our bicycles on the sidewalk. (laughs) They would frequently get calls from parents saying, they ran into stuff again. Would you come get them? (laughs) So, you know, we, we were kids just like anybody else, and we did things like anyone else. And I'm sure it probably scared a few people because we were the only two blind people that I know of living on that street. Well, you know, and I credit my parents all the time with a lot of my success because they raised me exactly the same way. They let me, you know, fight my own battles, make my own mistakes. They were there as a support system when I needed them. But, you know, I know there were many times they had their hearts in their throat just watching me do these things. And they said, you know, he's got to learn to do these things on his own. That's right. And I think that's a big thing. And it's difficult for a parent to do that. Of course. It's very easy to say, oh, they need some help. I need to do this for them. And I saw some children that were raised like that being blind, and it didn't turn out well in the end. No, you're right. So, But a lot of it has to do with the parents, and, and much of it also, of course, has to do with the outlook of the person. Well, true. Of the blind person as well. Right, right. So we were fortunate, very fortunate. As blind twins, have you run into any particularly interesting situations? Well, we were doing a radio show, same time, same station, in 1996, and got a call from somebody from Princess Cruises. And they were going to introduce the Dawn Princess. They'd already introduced the Sun Princess. And they said, we've just heard your show. And we obviously know that you are blind and that you are twins. And an article had been an written. An article had been written saying, we are going to pick uh, 50 sets of twins to go from Florida all the way through the Panama Canal, Costa Rica, Mexico, and home. And they called us and said, we can't actually ask you see because to enter the contest but we would like you very much to send in something talking about who you are what you do and then we're going to pick and it turns out there were 200 sets of twins and they picked 50 and we were the only two blind twins that they picked the article that they'd seen on us was from the la times calendar which somebody had written and that's how they found out about us so they called us and said hey you should really consider or rather you should really let us Put that article in here, even though 
yeah, and that's what. So they the did. article was our submission, I guess. Yeah, and so yeah, we was. did. We went through. Uh, it was a 15-day cruise, all free. The Love Boat cast came down to christen the ship, the Don Princess. So we, we were, for 15 days, we were on a cruise, and it was all free. But the first yeah. week was a promotional. Well, that certainly sounds like a lot of fun. Are there any other interesting stories like that that you'd like to share? Later on, as a sets of twins, um, my wife Melinda got a call at Braille Institute from a German gentleman who wanted us, along with other people, not just us in particular, but we were two of probably 10 other blind people, to come down and shoot baskets, which they would film. And this was all because Michael Jordan came out with another uh, shoe. A Nike shoe. A Nike shoe. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he was a German gentleman who loved making movies but had to pay for it by shooting commercials. And he picked up on the fact that we were twins and he walked up to us after we shot baskets and said, you know, at some point I would really like to use you in a movie. And so we said, okay. He said, could I have your email addresses, please? And about two years later, uh, he emailed John and said, I have an idea. He said, what we're trying to do is put people in unusual circumstances, little vignettes, film them, and then put them into a, a, a movie. Turns out we were asked to go to Vietnam, all expenses paid, and they put us in different situations while we were there. Um, traffic running all around us because they had mopeds, no traffic patterns. And we would walk down the street and you could hear <laughs> as cars went <laughs> So that was part of it. Part of it was we uh, we got our haircuts by Vietnamese people. We had two or three women ask us to take their daughters home. With yeah, us. in the United States. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, John went to an auto uh, a water, water park. park yeah. yeah, we went into a buffalo uh, water buffalo water buffalo area, buffalo yeah. area and, yeah. and it, just various things that you ordinarily wouldn't see people, let alone blind people, involved with. And they put this together in a documentary. And about two years later, we got a call saying, you know, we're going to enter this documentary, which was – I forget how long it was. We it were was one, a film festival. We were a five-minute segment. Yeah. And they said, we're going to enter it in the Berlin Film Festival. Would you guys like to come and be on stage when we introduce this documentary? We said, sure. So they flew us to Berlin, uh, and we had a chance to tour the city for that week that we were there yeah. and – it was a wonderful, probably a once-in-a-lifetime experience. But but it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience for people who were blind to gain experience and learn about the world through experiences that we probably never would have achieved had we not been blind and twins. So this was your illustrious movie career. Uh, yeah, we've done a few other things, but but those those were by far the most fascinating because it gave us a chance to be with other people, interact with other people, and visit and visit other parts, parts of the world. world. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, so that's interesting. So, in some sense, you, your blindness has opened up some doors and presented you with some opportunities that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Oh, absolutely. And I learned, for the most part, never say no to an opportunity like that because you never know if it's ever going to happen again. Yeah. Right. Right. Those just sound like fantastic experiences. They were. They were lots of fun, very enjoyable. I'm going to feel the way I do. I do today because you, you make me feel so. You know you. You make me feel so. You, you make me feel so.
was also not our usual breaker tune. That was Larry and John's Barbershop Quartet again, this time singing You Make Me Feel So Young by Myro and Gordon that was a big hit in the 1940s. And that does make me feel so young. That's a good-sounding tune. Now for this week's final item, how you can reach John and Larry Gassman and how you can listen to either of their weekly radio shows. So you guys talked about a radio show that you do. Can you remind us what the name of that show is and where people can get it and what, what it's all about again? It's called Same Time, Same Station. That's the recorded two-hour show that's done weekly. And it's on about 12 or 13 different websites. So it's difficult to say go to this one or go to that it one. It was 11 before you started this interview. No, it was, it's always been 12. Oh, okay. You just overslept. Oh, once. you're right. You're probably right. So uh, <laughs> all you have to do is just put in Same Time, comma, Same Station. Google it, and there'll be a bunch of stuff that comes up. I think that's also the Facebook address. I recommend that you search for Same Time, Same Station, Gasman, and that's G-A-S-S-M-A-N, and then you'll only get results back about their show instead of being inundated with all sorts of unrelated topics. And the live show is for Friday night's... Saturday and Sunday, we're on the Friday and Sunday night shows with uh, with Walden over at yesterdayusa.com. And uh, that's the interview show that we do with guests. And we play shows as well. But, and those are all live. Yeah. Those are not pre-recorded. If anybody has a question for either of you about your jobs or your radio shows or anything else, is there a way they can reach you? They can email us. Uh, I am Larry Gassman. That's L-A-R-R-Y. G-A-S-S-M-A-N. And I was not terribly clever when I thought up my email address, so it turned out to be Larry Gassman at roadrunner.com. And John was equally not clever. But mine came before Larry's. Uh, and Only because your name appears earlier in the alphabet. That, well, that's yeah. true. Yeah. And it's John Gassman at roadrunner.com. Do you guys have a social media presence? Facebook, yeah. Larry Facebook. Gassman, John Gassman. Twitter as Twitter well. as well and Skype. Uh, if they want to find me on Twitter, I'm I, somebody gave me the name Vibrant Voice. I I don't know why, That's but they a did. Hideous handle. Yeah. and it's it's capitalized with uh, the V, both V's capitalized. So I'm on Twitter. I'm I'm probably on Facebook more often than Twitter, but every now and then again I I go on Twitter. Mine is LG for Larry Gasman, but it's LG Singer, and that's my Twitter handle. And Larry Gassman is the handle for Facebook. So as usual, if you're looking for any of that contact information, it's available in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And I'd like to remind people that you can now listen to Eyes on Success on your Amazon or Google smart home device. Just say, play Eyes on Success podcast, and you'll be able to listen to it just like that. Give it a shot and let us know what you think. That's one more way you can hear us every week. So fewer and fewer excuses. That's it for show number 1827. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be doing another tips and tricks show because we always get a lot of positive feedback when we do those. And this will be a mixture of technical tricks, how to do things with your adaptive technology, not so technical tips, tips about good sources for information about other resources. So 
come back next week and we hope you enjoy the various tips and tricks that we come up with this go around. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.